0: Welcome to Ask an Innovator, where we interview senior executives about innovation. You can find us at askaninnovator.com or subscribe with your favorite podcast app. I'm your host, Josh Barker, CEO of City Innovation Labs. Welcome to Ask an Innovator. Today, I've got with me Nicolette DeGia, and she is the managing director at N7 Momentum. And so today, we're going to just ta- talk about innovation. Welcome, Nicolette.
1: Awesome. Thank you. N7 Momentum is an advisory firm, and we specialize from taking ideas all the way to impact. So uh, definitely big fans of innovation, of digital transformation, and of uniting design, product, and marketing all together to make your ideas walk and breathe and live and be successful in the real world. Oh, nice. Yeah, I founded N7 Momentum. Because I'm such a huge fan of ideas all the way to impact. I like being part of the entire innovation life cycle, all the way from the ideation to getting the product actually out on the streets and successful. Nice. So that's what we do at N7 Momentum is build momentum for your company through that whole process.
0: Awesome. Cool. And now I always ask this question, start with what is innovation to you? Because you said, I like the whole innovation cycle. It's like... Could be big, could be small for some people. What would you say that is?
1: For me, innovation is about discipline. Mm. Uh, It is a discipline that lets you be free and be successful inside a structure. And it's all about going from uh, really that design thinking and putting the human at the center and trying to find expressed and unexpressed problems, finding great ways with technology and products and services to solve those problems. And then as as a marketer, I'm also a big believer in Uh, Making sure that the marketers are part of your innovation process the whole way so that not just your innovative product is sold, but your innovation story and how you're serving the needs of the customers. So for me, it's an actual discipline uh, and a way of life for multiple departments to live into.
0: Sure, sure. Now, how long have you been? You've been 15 years, right, doing innovation, or is it longer? You've been innovation forever.
1: I've been in innovation forever. So about 15 years in innovation back when they didn't even call it innovation, what did they call it? Um, insights. Oh, Insights. They called okay. it Insights. That's coming
0: back, that term. It is coming back. Isn't that yeah. funny? It all
1: comes full circle. And, and I'll never forget when this last round of innovation that I was part of, um, the particular team, I'll never forget I got recruited there because I had a reputation of ripping all the Post-it notes down off the walls and making something that would really live and breathe and work. That's where the company was getting stuck was so many good ideas. So many good ideas, yeah. so many good insights, and just not able to turn those ideas.
0: Analysis paralysis. Exactly. Yeah. To
1: impact. So that's actually how I ended up in my last innovation role at Allstate, 15 years in, wow. in the field.
0: So how do you do that? How do you take it over that hump to actually impact?
1: So interestingly, I the majority of my projects, I've either started at the design end, where you're coming up with the problem space, or at the marketing end, when you know something that's going to sell, I've actually been in the position before where I've designed a marketing plan and campaign before the product was built. Hmm. Yes. And then I used the marketing campaign to literally recruit people to come build the product. So I'm a big fan of using consumer insights from either direction to drive it.
0: Yeah. You're talking a little bit about, I mean, growth hacking, right? I mean, like- It is. Basically just testing the market to see what, what, what sticks and seeing- you know, lean startup approach, build a landing page, right? And see how many hits you get and tweak from there. And then then you build the product it might never exist yet, right?
1: Absolutely. And I'm a big fan too of, I don't believe in being linear about it. Wherever you're strongest, go ahead and use human-centered design thinking there. If you are a marketing juggernaut like Allstate, awesome. Use that marketing to start talking to people about the problems that you're seeing in the marketplace and then present them the solution. If you're a design thinker, and you're starting to investigate that problem space, that's great too. But I think you can actually start from any direction with innovation, as long as you keep those core parts of the discipline all united.
0: And what would be those core parts of the discipline?
1: So for me, and I don't like to overcomplicate things, for me, it's all about uh, coming up with the ideas. A lot of times companies have them. A lot of times you need to generate more or refine them about uh, making sure you've got the problem space fairly well understood, whether it's expressed or unexpressed. I'm a big fan of always going for that morphine problem, like the lean startup idea that they're Tylenol vitamin problems and morphine problems. If you can get it to a morphine problem, it's gonna gonna be a lot easier for you. Uh, And then I find that a lot of people have a hard time with the middle part, that prototyping, product development, iteration, voice of the customer feedback, refining to get that really good product market fit. Mm. Uh, I find that's where most companies get a little bit bogged down in the execution and that's where they need The momentum and that constant customer feedback and that motivation to keep going so the marketers can kind of spike the ball over the net and get it into market.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. I mean, when you have a million ideas, how do you know where to focus? Yeah. And that's
1: why I say innovation is a discipline. Mm. It's a discipline. And rather than it being, if you think of like a linear line, that's not how innovation works in my head. It's a Nautilus. It circles around Uh, and you iterate and you iterate and you iterate, uh, getting a little more efficient every time. I'm also a big believer in not waiting too long to get into market. That's why uh, this is, now I'm giving away my secrets, but it's okay. One of my favorite things to do with a client or with a company, if they have a marketing department or a content department or any type of uh, content marketing, which they should, um, start talking about the problem. Whatever solution it is that you're building, Secretly, not secretly, whatever, start actually talking about the problem in the market, establish yourself as a voice in the market yeah. so that when you're ready with that solution, people are already attuned to the fact right. that you understand and you're bringing a solution that's going to fit their needs. Right. So I don't care if you don't even have a team yet to build that product, start talking about it. Yeah and get into that space and own that space.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and and far too often, I know innovators get in this dilemma of being married to their solutions, right? And so too often you're just in the dredge of like, oh, this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing, and if you don't talk about the problem enough, and exactly. reiterate that,
1: yeah. I'm putting, uh, one of my clients right now through, their developers love this, I swear, I'm refusing to talk about things as features and as solutions. I'm even in literally requirements and spreadsheets, it's all customer jobs defined.
0: Oh, that's good. I want
1: to this. I like that. They're like, well, what feature is it? I'm like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Focus on the job. The solution or the feature can be whatever the best thing is for the business, for the current technology. It doesn't matter. What matters is that it solves this job in this way. That's right. With as least friction possible, the least friction possible for our consumer.
0: Yeah. Too often we throw in frills and unnecessary things in terms of execution and we're like, hey... What value, what problem does this solve? Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes we get so far deep into solving a problem that no one really wants or needs. You right. Know? So um, it's always, it's you're going to be in trouble if you don't start with right. the problem.
1: And anyone can innovate. Uh, anyone can follow a discipline. But I find that it's that getting bogged down yeah. that people oftentimes just need a little bit of help with. It's easy to do, yes. right? You fall in love with your own solution. Uh, you get sunk costs. You're so committed right. down a road um the market changes yep. so again that discipline of keeping it iterative prototyping uh you can also it's never a bad bet again to be talking about the problem as you understand it yeah that doesn't take you any development cost None. it's never a sunk cost that's right so if you need to put your time and your energy somewhere while you're still figuring out your product Put it in the marketing, launch an education campaign, talk about it in a blog. It will help you understand the problem better and it'll establish you as knowledgeable.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I know additionally, if you don't talk about it, you also don't know, are you talking about the root problem or are you talking about like a surface problem? Like that's kind of come up from that.
1: Absolutely. And give yourself permission too, to discover a new problem. Yeah. What if you're out there talking about the problem and you realize like, oh my gosh, I'm not even at the root of it. There's actually more or it turned a little this way to the left or I'm actually more interested in talking about this other aspect of it. So I find that companies don't talk about things early enough because they're afraid of not getting it right or making an investment in the wrong place.
0: Too high risk.
1: Too high risk. Yeah. A good way for brands to handle that, I've found, is to find causes you're passionate about and start talking about it from an education standpoint. Mm. Uh, people love innovative brands right. that have something to do with the community or that want to yes. do some good. If you see a problem, go ahead and start talking about it in a way that's true to your brand. Right. It is never a sunk cost. It is never a bad investment and it's going to de-risk your product Right. the whole time.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I know you were switching topics for a second. Within all this innovation stuff, you're really passionate about, you were telling me before this, of marrying, bringing design and coupling it with marketing, right? So maybe dive into that a little bit for me.
1: Yeah, so I've actually worked and led teams on both sides of that spectrum. And again, to me, it's not linear. But for a lot of places, right, it starts with design and marketing doesn't get it until the product's built and they have to figure out how to sell it. Right. I'm not a fan of that. I think it is more rewarding for your employees, better for your product and better for your business if from the very beginning, the designers and the marketers are working together Mm. because they're really trying to do the same thing. They're trying to find and understand those insights, that morphine problem. What is going to make someone actually want to use and buy whatever it is you're creating? Right. So what I like to do with my teams is if I've got a design team, the minute we start seeing a problem space that we're interested in, if it makes sense, if it makes good strategic sound sense, the marketing team can start uh, promoting that. Mm. That whole problem space and owning that corner of the sky of that problem space while the designers are figuring out what really needs to be done to build a product that people will use. Mm. So I'm a fan from the very beginning, from ideation, having marketing and design working together.
0: Yeah, that seems really smart. I mean.
1: You'll save a lot of time too. So much of the work that gets done is about consumer insights and understanding mm. the consumer. Yes, um, they can really help each other. They really can. They can really help each other. And the good thing about marketers, um, they will ground you. <laughs> yes, there right. is, it gets really real when yes. it gets down to the marketing department. Right. So the good thing about ideation is you can be uh, up in the sky and dreaming big. The good thing about uh, getting down to a marketing campaign is it's really, really grounding. So when I say I take ideas to impact, that's part of the way I do it. I go with design and marketing from day one. It's not a handoff to marketing at the end.
0: Yeah. And when is is development involved after that?
1: So once you can talk about it, right? Once it's well enough understood that you can talk about it and you understand what people are looking for and what they need. As soon as you've got a glimmer of that idea, bring in your engineers, bring in your developers, have them listen to, I call it a research mixtape. At the beginning of every meeting where I take the biggest insights from the recent research and play a mixtape at the beginning of every meeting, Mm. Uh, even if it's just developers, it's important that they hear that. Oh, yeah. So I'm a big fan of um, I don't like writing requirements and handing them off to a development team. I like to present them with the problem space uh, and let them help come up with the technology solutions Mm. uh, to solve those problems and help the customer accomplish those jobs.
0: Yeah, that's very empowering. I know I'm I come from a development background, so knowing that, you know, someone's like, "Hey, here's the problem to solve. How best should we do that?" and then just providing customer insight data of here's what their expectations are, here's where we're here's where they're lacking, here's the problems we're trying to solve and then piecing together as a cohesive team, that's really what you're talking about. Rather, that's
1: exactly rather right. Rather
0: than silos. You know, I've been in organizations too where there's, it's the handoffs, right? You just yep. lob it over the fence and now this other team has it and lob it over the fence and pretty soon no one knows what problem they're solving at the yep. end of the process.
1: Yep. Not a fan of that. Just my own personal uh, perspective is that's that does everyone on your team a disservice, yeah. I think. Uh, I think it's much more effective when you can get people working together. I'm also a big fan of something I call the triads approach. Which I like to have a designer, a product owner, and a technologist, part be part of all these conversations. Uh, once you get into the flow of the development cycle, there is there is more rigor. There is more um, whether you're running agile or waterfall. There's more process there. But right from the very beginning, I like to run triads so that you're really talking about these are the customer jobs, and then the how might we yeah. statement, right? right. How might we solve this? That's, that's really right. the only question. And I find having those three voices in the room, once you get that problem space kind of well understood, yeah, having those uh, how might we conversations with those three parties in the room are uh, it's one of my best tried and true tactics. Mm,
0: that's good. Now, when do you rope in the triad? Is that before or after product market fit? Like, it's a are they helping find product market fit or are they? After the fact, they're like, "Hey, here's some insights. Here's the customer data."
1: I find it depends on if you're working in an established industry and category, or if you're looking for greenfield new product development. Yeah. So, I the answer to that is depends. It depends, and both. Yeah. And you kind of have to figure it out. It also kind of depends on what type of technologists you have on your team. If you have creative technologists on your team, it's never too soon. Yeah. To involve them, in right. my opinion. Right. Right. Um, if you have really strong developers, where you need to conserve their time. Than what I would do and protect that valuable time and that valuable resource. I actually like to get the marketers and the designers right? In the ideation space, understanding that problem space. Then I like to get the product folks in to really understand the business implications and aspects. And then I like to go into the triads mm. to do refinement. That makes if sense. If you've got constrained resources. Yet. Yeah.
0: Now, what, what do you see in the innovation space? Because you're really an in innovation consulting, right? I am. So wh- where do you see the, the the kind of the market and the industry trending? You know, Because we talked about insights coming back. Mm-hmm. So what are <laughs> right? some of the other things that you see um, it'd be interesting to dialogue because we're in the innovation space Totally, yeah. yeah, I'm
1: loving this. This is super fun. I, uh, so a couple of things that I think are general themes, any modal, multimodal, omnichannel experiences, right? How can you start having experiences with customers that serve them the way they want to be served, right? We're living in a world now where uh, people are used to texting yeah. with businesses. They right. might not ever work, walk through your front door. Yeah. Um, how can you get as many channels open between you and your customer as right. possible in a way that helps them solve that job yes. from point A to point B? Yeah. Right. Like one of the things I talk about now that i that I'm just railing about is something like voicemail voicemail is dead. Voicemail is over. Yes. Right? Nobody calls someone because they want to leave them a voicemail unless it's your grandma leaving you a really sweet message, in which case, thank you, grandma, please do that. (laughs) But most of the time when someone reaches out to you, They either want to share a piece of information, get a piece of information, do some sort of a task, have a discussion. There's a goal they're trying to accomplish, and instead they get a voicemail.
0: Yeah, my grandma calls me to Facebook me. See?
1: Right? Exactly. (laughs) Just call on a
0: Facebook, I don't think you get the idea. (laughs)
1: You're like, wait, grandma, that's not the same thing. So... (laughs) I think that it's really interesting to start talking about any modal experiences where they can, which maybe your grandma doesn't want to leave you a voicemail anymore. Maybe yeah. she just wants to stalk you on Facebook in a nice way.
0: This is true, actually. It's, right? Yes. Right.
1: She might prefer that. Yeah. Stalking
0: on my kids. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah.
1: really why I'm on Facebook, too, is to like follow what all of my siblings and <laughs> right. my nieces and nephews are doing. That's right. Right? It's an omnichannel experience. That's right. So uh, I'm a big fan of starting to really understand End-to-end customer journeys and what channel is best for every key interaction. Yeah. Right. Yep. An example that I use a lot is is chatbots, and I know chatbots are a big trendy buzzword, and they it kind is. of they make me cringe a little bit because yep. I, I feel like it's a blunt instrument tool. Yeah. Um, that people are using to solve a problem that maybe it's not the best channel for. Right. So for example, there's a lot of talk about technology that makes uh, chatbots more authentic with empathy. I'm I'm not really a fan of that. No. If you understand yeah. your customer journey yes. and you know there's a moment like an insurance claim right. that requires empathy, Then put empathy in the experience. That's not a chatbot They're going to know it's a bot. Of course. So I'm a big fan of understanding all the components of the customer journey and having a full, any modal suite of channels that you can use to serve your customer at that time. Yes. I read something interesting the other day that said uh, personalization, another trendy buzzword that like is now kind of fading, but it's been in and out for a while. Personalization. What does personalization mean? When I ask companies, what do you think personalization means? They say, Oh, they want you to have like your account history and they want you to be called by their name. And really I've seen data lately that customers call personalization that they can actually interact with you any way they want. Yeah. That's what personalization is to them, letting oh, yeah. them choose how to reach you and interact oh, with totally. you. Like forget my name, like that's nice that's and all. Right. But really I'm here because I have a job to yeah. do and I want you to help me do that job. Right. So that type of self-service and you know how I and like modal things, experience. And, yes. exactly, yeah. exactly. If, like, for example, if your grandma always calls you, she probably isn't going to appreciate it if you always email her back,
0: <laughs> right. right? She's right. not going to
1: appreciate that. That's not a nice relationship. I don't even
0: think she has an email. So exactly, I mean, yeah. so yeah. she has
1: a clear preference. Yeah. So you know that you understand that. Yep. And that's how you interact with her. Maybe
0: I'll have an automated bot. Call her and give her some empathy. Right? Know, like,
1: exactly. Yeah. I doesn't that sound like a bunch of enterprise <laughs> solutions? Though? It does. Doesn't it, it does. It sounds a little <laughs> familiar. So, I find that thinking about things like um, like multimodal is something good in innovation right now. Uh, you can talk about data to analytics to machine learning to AI till you're blue in the face. I think that's that's and another pack all the
0: buzzwords in there. Pack all the buzzwords in yeah. right, and they do, yes. and you do.
1: So I think. Figuring out how to navigate that while cu- keeping the customer in the center yeah. um, is a big thing. And I'm also a big fan of, um, as as you think about all these buzzwords, think of them as assets. Yeah. These are all assets that you need to build it's as a, a toolbox. company. It is a toolbox. And if, again, if your data is not clean, it's going to be really tough to do machine learning and AI. That's right. Frankly. So yes. I'm a big fan of companies really getting serious and building the talent assets, the data assets, the innovation disciplines, yeah. uh, and putting just as much focus on that as the other shiny thing initiatives. Yes. You kind of have to do both. Yeah. I'm never going to say it's one's more important than the other. I don't think that's fair. I think it's an individual decision for each company, but it's always both.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I'm seeing, and I'm sure you're seeing this trend too, Is we, with all this new tech and with all this technology, we're starting to see this shift as well of this UX, human-centered design, where it's really coming back to people. Yes. And it's like, wait. We're putting the human customer, back in it. Yeah. Yes. Putting the human back in it. And I really like that. And I'm sure you do too. That's like, this is so important for us.
1: Nothing brings me more joy yes. than when people have that aha moment. And it's funny. I'm um, I'm also an actor as well as an innovator, which goes together better than you might think. <laughs> Um, And there's something we always say in acting that's a really common note you get, which is, okay, just walk like a human. No, but like, (laughs) like, really, you're on the stage. Can you just, just walk like a human? Just walk like a human. And I think about that all the time. I think that companies, when they start getting into what they do, they forget to walk like a human.
0: Yeah. And I
1: think just coming back to understanding and keeping that user in the center, being in tune with your user, not being precious yeah. about yourself, making things about them, not you. Yeah. Um, something else that I, I'd say is as much as I talk about how much of a fan I am of marketing and communications, talking about the problem space, if you're doing it so you can talk about your company, that's not that's not going to resonate yeah. in the market, right? Yeah. Yep. Like it's not about, it can't be about you. Yeah. It has to be about the problem and the consumer. That's what's going to make right. them ready to accept a solution from you. Right. Right. Not right. talking about yourself. That's right. Because humans don't like that.
0: That's right. That's right. right. It's
1: just simple, sim- simple human principles. That's
0: right. That's right. And you know, it's so easy to lose sight of that, right? These companies, they they want to talk about themselves and they want to talk. And I think now, or even from a company standpoint, we're talking about being more human centered. I think you're even starting to see companies adopt personality, where now they're starting to say. wait a minute, what do we as a corporate entity care about? And what can other people rally behind? And that's really like coming down from a human level and leveling with people and being like, hey, I'm I'm like you, right? Right,
1: absolutely. And one of my favorite things to ask a new client is who do you wanna be when you grow up? Yeah, because I think it really opens up the possibility for them to realize it doesn't matter if you're an 86 year old insurance company. Right. What's like? What's your dream? Who do you want to be when you grow up? Right. How can we start leaning into that? How can we show people some of that personality uh, so that it resonates with them?
0: Right. Right. And going back to what you just said a minute ago, I was uh, last night. I was so I was I had to take the train here to, from West Michigan. So I'm I'm West Michigan, Chicago, kind of go back and forth. And one of the things that I I did was I had a quick go on Verizon and change a few things. And, and so I, I recognize this omni-channel thing and I was like sitting in bed and I was like, oh, I don't really want to call Verizon and I'm on my account and it notices I'm like clicking around and all of a sudden it's like, boop, pops up a message like, you know, it's like, hey, can we help you, right? I mean, I think that's pretty sweet. Yes, that yes, it uses, you can. It, Thank you. Yeah, uses technology to detect. Absolutely. I might be fumbling around and saying, hey, I'm seeing that you might be having some problems. How can I? And it's an actual person. It's Amazing. not just a bot. Yes. It's like, I was like, at first I thought, oh, this is a bot by sh- for sure. And no, it was like a person just reaching out to me. I was like, wow, this is this is how it should be, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And
1: it could tell, um, through use of technology, good job, uh, that you had something you were trying to do. Yes. It wasn't happening. Whatever yes. it was you needed because you were clicking around and they gave you a way to get it done. That's right. And I think that's so key.
0: Yes, Yes.
1: So good job to that experience. Oh, I yeah. think they, I think they executed that pretty well. Oh yeah. And I think that's something, again, any company can map out their customer journey, yes. figure out the pain points and ask the, how might we.
0: That's right. Question. Totally.
1: And don't try to, uh, don't try to solve the problem with a buzzword. Right. <laughs> it, maybe that's a yes. solution, but maybe not. Yeah. So just Tra- being open to it, I think is th- key.
0: I totally agree. And, and I think far too often you hit on, don't, don't just use the buzzword. Well, I mean, I think sometimes people just start from the outside in and they're like, AI, how can we use AI? Whoa. And it's like, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ver- versus saying like, okay, what problem were we trying to solve? Maybe AI could be used to solve that. Sure. Um, so, I mean, of course you could go the other way, but I mean, I think most problem statements you want to start with are people focused. How do we, mm-hmm. how do we help our customers do something better?
1: Absolutely. And I'm a big fan too, when you think about, we talked a little bit about development. If you think... You've got a good problem space defined. If you think you understand what people are trying to do, go with the whole build a skateboard, a scooter, a bicycle, a car yes. uh, analogy for yes. development. Because uh, if people want something that takes them from A to B, they don't want one wheel, yes. even if it's the best wheel in the whole world. Yes. Get them a skateboard and start testing it in market and That's figuring right. out if you're on the right track. Yes. De risk your product, make sure you're on the right track. Um, don't get stuck too long in the process. Yes. Get up and out in the world.
0: And that's what we, we call, we like to use the word, where the phrase prioritized incremental value. Yes. Because it's that just like. That sounds buzzwordy. It doesn't. Oh, that's it?
1: okay. I'm like, maybe we can make that a little more human. You're a little more human. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The marketer in me is like, ooh, let's make that more human. But yes, prioritizing incremental value. Yes.
0: Yes. Because, I mean, obviously, you could come up with all sorts of features of a product or to solve totally. something. And it's like, hey, let's get it out to people in their hands immediately.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And you can always find an appropriate way to do that at whatever level the company is, you know, comfortable with. But my goodness, get real users using it. Yes. I am constantly, even 15 years in the business, I am constantly surprised. And I take great joy in that. I'm like, oh, I'm still doing the right thing for my career because i Every time I'm surprised and yeah. fascinated yes. um, by the, the interesting... Consumers are smart.
0: Yes, they Consumers
1: are. Consumers are not stupid. Yeah. They know what they need to do, yes. um, and you can help them do that even better. If you can find an unexpressed problem and solve it for them, then you've really hit gold.
0: Oh, yeah. No one knew we needed the iPhone. But we all oh my goodness,
1: it. but didn't we desperately need yes, that? Yes, we did. <laughs> we did. Yeah. We really, really did. So that, yeah. I mean,
0: those are the breakthrough innovations that, yeah. I mean, every company wants.
1: Yeah, and another big benefit I mentioned earlier about getting design and marketing together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about, Benefit centric marketing, which is something I'm also a big believer in.
0: Sounds buzzwordy. Ben,
1: I know, doesn't it? Okay, okay, <laughs> we're gonna rewind it back and make it more human. Uh, what are you gonna do for me? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, there right, you go. Right. Uh, so, when you think about the marketing for MP3 players back in the day, uh, it's the iPhone that said you could have a thousand
0: songs, songs in, your in your pocket. Yes.
1: The other people were saying it's this many gigabytes of storage space. That's right. Now, That's right. Again, the products were perfectly equal, probably. Maybe the other one was even a little better at the time. But Apple was able to hit on benefits in the marketing. That's something that a marketer can learn before the product even gets built. They don't need to wait until it gets handed off to them and learn how to market it. You can learn that all the way up front with the design thinking. What do people want? Nobody was walking around saying... I want this much storage space. Nobody's walking around going, I want to leave a voicemail.
0: I want four gigabytes. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I want. That is
1: the truest unexpressed desire of my heart. Yep. Four gigabytes of storage (laughs) right in my pocket. That's not what you're saying. Right way better to have your marketers learn what people yes. are saying on the upfront so you can do benefits driven marketing on the back end.
0: That's right. That's that's key. I mean, really, and that goes back to human empathy. Like, yes, we, absolutely. We joke even Be in this, human. Yes.
1: Act like a human. Walk like a human. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we joke about just now about saying things like, oh, that sounds buzzwordy. Let's rewind it to real speak. Exactly. And it's like, well, that's the reason, right? It just,
1: absolutely is. Yeah. So like that whole, what are you going to do for me? How are you going to help me do this? Yes, it's the same thing. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. And it,
1: it might be incremental. It doesn't need to be. Don't get discouraged if it's not a huge, big, uh, huge, big, gigantic corporate initiative. I think there are always, always things you can do yeah. to innovate where you are.
0: Oh, absolutely. There's
1: this whole idea of being a leader from the bench, right? That yes. you might hear about. Um, huge fan of Abby Wambach. She's promoting that idea right now. If you can't be a leader on the bench, then you're not a leader, right? Yeah. Like. Even if you're not starting in the soccer game, you can be a leader from the bench. That's right. You can be an innovator from the bench. You do not need the CEO to sign off on a multi-million dollar initiative to do any of these things. That's right. You can innovate from the bench. And that's, that's right. when you know you're truly innovating for your company.
0: That's right. That's good. That's good. Now, what would be some takeaways um, for our audience to take away to their businesses, if they're you know, directors, or even if they're people, you know, like you said, they're on the bench, you know, what, what things could they take away? Yeah implement.
1: Um, My number one acting tip, walk like a human. Walk like a human. When all else fails, walk like a human. Yeah. Always put the human back in it. Throw Mm. out your buzzwords. Throw out um, the fanciest technology solutions for just a second. You can pick them back up. But think about how might we? Mm. What's the customer job they're trying to do? And how might we help them solve it in the best way possible for them? Right. And then, of course, layer in the for the business, for the technology, for the et cetera. But walk like a human first and foremost. Um, Don't get stuck. Do not get stuck. Show is better than tell. Try to get to a prototype and keep going. Get Mm -hmm. it in the hands of real users. Do not get stuck in the insights. Do not get stuck in the analysis. Do not get stuck in the development cycles. Try to not get stuck. When in doubt, even if you're scared, go ahead and show it. Show it to a user, show it to your executive um, don't sit too long to get it perfect. Yeah. Right.
0: Perfect is the enemy of Perfect production. is the yeah. enemy. Yes. yes. So
1: keep it going. Yeah. And then I'd say my, again, my, my big point here was start talking about it sooner. Get your marketers and your communicators involved upfront at the design process so that they've got the insights and understand the problem space so they can start helping your product sooner. Do not constrain them to mm-hmm. helping you at the very end of the life cycle.
0: Yeah. That's great stuff.
1: Anyone can be an innovator. It's just be a little bit disciplined as you go through it. It'll help you get through uh, what you're trying to do faster, cleaner, more efficiently, and anyone can do it. Awesome. So innovate cool. from wherever you're
0: standing. Perfect. Well, awesome. thanks, Nicolette. Appreciate your time. And My pleasure. It's been fun. fun. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Ask an Innovator. Visit us on our website, www.askaninnovator.com. This podcast has been sponsored by City Innovation Labs.